Are y'all ready for the word today? All right, I got my amen corner right here. Nobody else preaches with me. Thank God for some Red Bull. All right, y'all doing all right today? Good, I talked to you on, on Sunday about six ways that we get ourselves into the cave. And uh, I'll, for those of you that were not here, let me just quickly tell you, we, we dove into the, the serious topic of depression and what that looks like in our lives. Uh, it's an issue that we confront. It's an issue that we all face. I text one of my pastor friends who asked me how service was on Sunday. I told him what we, uh, the topic that we covered. And he told me, he goes, you can use me as an example. Um, because I've been through the season, you know, when you're just like, you feel blue and you don't even know why you feel blue and everything around you, it should, everything around you is positive and you should be happy. I realize, I fully realize that there's things in our lives that can cause us that, but there's also things that we can do to get ourselves there. And that's what I address the six ways that we get ourselves there. Uh, And this evening, we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about five ways to get ourselves out of that cave, out of that cave that, that you know there's a way out, but you don't know where it's at. You become disoriented. You're confused. Um, It's just a very frustrating state. Um, And I'll I'll say once again what I said on Sunday. I, I very much realize and accept that there are some of us in this place that we are on medication because that's just the way our body functions. And you are perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with you. I wear corrective lenses, like I told you. Uh, I didn't do it on purpose. I promise you, I, I mowed the lawn earlier today. Long story, I'll explain it later. Um, but my contacts were not cooperating with me. Um, but I wear corrective lenses. And, and just as the eye is part of my body, your mind is part of your body. And, and just because you are on an antidepressant doesn't mean you lack faith. That's just the way your body is. Um, and we're, we're here to help each other. We're here to support each other. You're not alone. You're not alone. Because the truth is that we can all get lost, amen, in a wilderness of just tangled emotions. And talked to you, you when you just ask yourself, what's going on with me? Why do I feel this way? Why am I feeling like this? Uh, absent of something occurring in your life, but sometimes you, you just disappear into a moment of darkness and, and just it's a deep depression and you wonder and you ask yourself, why isn't my faith strong enough to help me through it? Why isn't my faith strong enough to, for me to overcome this? I want to remind you that you're not alone, that even in the darkness, even in your dark moments, God meets you there. God meets you there. He loves you that much. There's nowhere that he will not go. And as we looked at the life of this great prophet named Elijah, this great prophet named Elijah um, that had the privilege, as I shared with you, of being at that transfiguration. So we understand his story ends with him being promoted to heaven because Elijah and Moses, the only two from the Old Testament, are featured appear in the New Testament as Jesus takes his disciples on a, a mountainside. On, and here you have Moses, you have Elijah. They appear in a heavenly form. Um, 
As I mentioned, it is in the Gospels. This prophet that had this incredible privilege, saw great victory in his life, experienced some incredible spiritual highs. He saw God's power in an extraordinary way, but then he's running for his life shortly after. He's running for his life shortly after and literally does not want to live anymore. Literally does not want to live anymore. Or he is saying, Lord, take my life. Take, take my life right now. And he finds himself in this dark season, and we've all been there. And as I mentioned, I want to talk to you about five things that we can do, that we can do. Because there are some things that you have the power over. There are some things that we have the power over, and we're going to talk about that today. And I want to pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, 1 Kings 19, 5 through 8. Then he laid down under the sun under the bush, I'm sorry, and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Okay, this is after he's running for his life. Remember, he ate and drank and then he laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, what did he tell him? Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. Ever felt that way? Journey is too much. For you. So he got up and he ate, he drank, and he strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. What we see here is the remedy was not just an instantaneous healing, but he had to take care of himself. Amen? He had to take care of himself. There were some steps that Elijah had to do. There's something that he had to do to be able to get himself in a better position. So you that are in here this evening, you ask yourself, what's going on with me? And why am I feeling this way? Why have I been going through this? I want to talk to you about the first thing, and that is stepping into a needed recovery. You need to recover. You're tired. You need to recover. You're just going and going and going, and you just, you're not in a position to be able to step into what God has next for you because you're just constantly going. Let, let me put it this way. You, we all know that, that in the medical field, in the science realm, that not everybody is a candidate for a transplant. There has to be some unique factors. There has, there has to be a good situation where the body can receive that organ and then be able to be in a position because there are some times that we are, we may not be in the best position to be able to receive that that transplant and the same is in the spiritual sometimes we have to get ourselves to a place where God can do a better work in our lives a greater work in our lives and and that just involves you and I just taking some time off Taking some time. What does that look like? Elijah has to rest. Before the angel takes him on a spiritual journey, before they go out, Elijah has to rest. You got, to, before we go to the next step, Elijah, you're not ready for that because you need to eat and you need to sleep. You need to take care of yourself before we go to the next phase in your story. And that is what God may be telling you today that, that you just need to just take a step back. 
I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about, hey, now I'm, I'm going to take a step back and I'm not going to go to church on Sunday because I'm going to rest. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not indicating that one bit. I'm talking about what is there going on in your life because it's your life and nobody knows your life the way you know it, that you just need to recover. You need to recover. You need to take a nap. There are some days it is okay to just sit down on the couch with a box of donuts. Yes, I love donuts. I said it on Sunday. I'll say it again. There's just some time where you just need to stop. You can diet the next day. You can start the diet on the next day. You just need to stop and you need to take care of yourself. And, and obviously I went a little bit overboard by saying donuts, right? So I heard someone today call them power rings. They're not donuts. They're power rings. They give you power. Um, but you just need to take care of you. You need to rest. I'm, I'm talking about the factors that we can control and, and say because the truth is that we were not intended to go and to go and to go and to go and to never stop and to be going here and, and being there. One of the factors that we can control is our time. Our time. There is a needed recovery that you and I need to step into to be able to get to what God has for us next. And I'm talking about, are, you, are we taking care of ourselves? Because could it be, because I've heard people say this, and maybe you have too, I'm, I'm so tired of always burning the candle on both ends, and I can't even make ends meet. And I'm always just going, 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 and, and I can't find rest for my soul. I can't find rest. But what did I tell you on Sunday, Ecclesiastes 4, 6, that better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. You try chasing the wind. Tell me how that goes. It, it, it never ends well. We're not recovering, but we're constantly going. And we were not meant to be the energizer bunny. To constantly be going. So we have to look at our time. We have to look at our calendar. I have to look at my calendar. I can only speak for myself. And I can only share with you what I feel is important for us as a church, because the truth is that if I don't prioritize my life, someone else will. Every, everywhere you look, there's an agenda. Companies have agendas. Restaurants have agendas. There's always something going on. And if I don't prioritize it and if I don't take care of what is important for my life, for my family, somebody else is going to do this. Look what Moses said in Psalms 90. He said, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. How few they are. Help us to spend them. That's what he says. Help, them, help us to spend them as we should. That's a question I have to ask myself. First Kings, let's jump back into First Kings uh, 19. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. Okay, we, we see this. Elijah's doing this. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. So he's just complaining, right? He's just listing everything that is going wrong. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Can you just imagine this moment for all you visual learners in the room? Imagine this with me that then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After 
the earthquake came of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. That's earth, wind, and fire right there. And after... And after... That's where it started. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. The presence of God is, is, is so gentle. And we often look for it in an elaborate and loud way. But what we need to... The second thing that we need to do is after you step into a needed recovery... The second thing is you need to step into a God encounter. That's what Elijah did. So he recovers, he rests, he eats, he takes care of himself. Then he comes into a God encounter. Somebody put it this way. We look for the dynamic, but God is in the intimate. We look for the dynamic, but God is in the intimate. What does Psalms 46, 10 say? 46 and 10 say, say it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I, just to know who he is, just to recognize who he is. And one of the ways that we do this is through worship. One of the ways that we do this is through worship. That the, the Bible lets us know in John chapter 4 that the father seeks worshipers. And sometimes you may feel frustrated and say, you know what? I, I just can't seem to find God. I can't seem to find him. Well, worship and he will find you. He seeks worshipers. He will, he will find you. Find yourself. So how, how does this look like in our lives? Find yourself a worship song. Find yourself a worship. Get a playlist together and make time to seek God. Because the truth is, I can ask this question to myself, and you could ask it to yourself, that what are we feeding ourselves? What are we feeding? What, what kind of music am I letting into my spirit? And can I pinpoint if that is affecting the way I act, affecting the way I react, affecting the way I am able to cope? With something, because the truth is, if I listen to a sad song, I immediately become sad. The truth is that if I, but but it is incredible what what worship can do to us. I have a younger, I have three brothers. I grew up. There's there's four of us total. It was a crazy house. God did not have mercy on my mother by giving her any daughters. But the youngest one, I will I will say in front of you that he is probably the best. Uh, of us. He graduated from high school, and right around that time, Desiree and I are getting married. I'm moving to West Texas from the Rio Grande Valley, and when he could have been at graduation parties, he was helping me pack. He was helping me pack. He just puts others before himself, and he's always been like that. He's had a gentle and kind spirit, he, um, and I'll never forget. I came home one day, and my mom said, John, Jason was in a bad mood today, and it, when you heard Jason was in a bad mood, it was like, um, cows were flying or something like, you know, it was just so out of the ordinary for Jason to be in a bad mood. And, you know, but what's funny, it, it made me laugh, but it was true. Jason said this, yes, I was. He said, but then I began to hear the songs of the Lord and my soul rejoiced. And, and I, I laughed at that moment because he sounded so articulate, but it's true. The fact is that when I get into a moment of worship, it can change my perspective because I stopped looking at my problem 
And I, I begin to look at the promise keeper. Amen. Seek God. It's incredible how worship can change the atmosphere because God's word says in Isaiah that he says you can bring your cloak of heaviness, that heaviness that you feel on you. And he says, and I'll give you a garment of praise. God will meet you there. He says, it's okay. You can give me the, the worst of you. He says, and I'll give you, I'll give you the best. He goes, I'll give you a garment of praise. You can be revived in his presence. Look what David said in Psalm 73. He said, when I tried to understand all this, he's going through a hard time. He's going through a difficult season. He said, it troubled me deeply. He says, he's talking about, he's, he's just letting us know his pain. But then he says this, till I entered the sanctuary of God, till I got here. That's why he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I wasn't mad. I wasn't sad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. If you find yourself in a dark place right now, get a God encounter. Let God work in your life. And I promise you, you will see some incredible change. You can listen. You can pick the songs. But, but all of a sudden, when you start worshiping the creator, something begins to to happen in our lives. In 2 Kings chapter 3, the, the prophet that succeeded Elijah named Elisha, the Bible tells us that he, he was looking for clarity in, in that moment. And in 2 Kings chapter 3 verse 5, the, the Bible tells us that Elisha says, bring me a harpist. Bring me a harpist. And all of a sudden, a harpist walks into the room and as he begins to play, the Bible says that the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha and he was able to to provide clarity. There is something that worship can do. Uh, I'm telling you, we have to be careful what we listen to. Yes, absolutely. But more importantly, we have to get to a place uh, where we can worship on our own, that I can worship him in my darkness. I can worship him in my loneliness. Uh, I can say, you know what, God, I know uh, I, I'm going through this right now, but I know you're still with me. I, I know that I am never forsaken. I know that I am never alone. Worship can change the atmosphere. It can change the environment. It can change your mood. It can change your outlook and it can change your perspective. Get yourself some Spotify playlist with some worship music on there and see what takes place in your life. All of a sudden you begin to say, you know what? There is no mountain that he cannot move or I've seen him do it and I know he'll do it again. Or you can, you can say, I know that you are Jira, that you are more than enough and it doesn't matter what my situation looks like. I know who you are. I know who you are. Hallelujah. First Kings chapter 19. It, man, it, it can change. I, I want to give you some tools that you can take and put in your toolbox. You choose the song, but let it worship God. You choose the song, but let it glorify God and, and see what happens in your life. First Kings chapter nine, 19, again, 13 through 14 says, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord. So once again, you, you see this again. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. 
And now they're trying to kill me too. So at this point, after he recovers, after he has a godly encounter, that God was in the whisper, he loses his confidence. He loses his confidence. The threat from Jezebel threw his life into a completely different situation. Seeing God's power work in an incredible way and then all of a sudden finding himself in this low moment. He lost his confidence because he bought into a lie. He bought into the lie that was coming after him. It reminds me of the book of Genesis when when Joseph, you know the story when they, they took him and, and they were gonna, they sold him, ultimately sold him to Egypt. When, even though they plotted to kill him, they took his coat. You remember the coat that was given to him by his father Jacob, uh, the coat of many colors. They killed an animal. They took the blood of that animal. They put it on that same coat that belonged to, to his second youngest son. And, and they bring it to Jacob. If you'll notice their choice of words, they never said, Joseph's dead. They presented this information to him. And all of a sudden, Jacob makes his own conclusion and says, Joseph is dead. He draws his own conclusions from the information that he has available. How many times have we drawn our own conclusions? How many times have we diagnosed ourselves From something we're feeling and something that we read on the internet. It could be this. Well, it could be a whole lot of things. That's the truth. But how many times have we bought into a lie and it robs our joy? And it steals our confidence. And it comes into our life and it's just a constant mind game. Because we're just thinking about the worst possible case scenario. When that may not even be the case. Jacob framed his own conclusions. What lies have we bought into that the enemy has taken just a few pieces and presented it to us. And and now, now all of a sudden we say, I will never be forgiven because of what has happened. I will never be redeemed. I will never be loved again. By my heavenly father. What have we. What narrative have we believed. That is not true. What narrative have we believed. That is not true. And that's the third thing. That I want to talk to you about. Is we got to step into a true identity. We got to step into a true identity. I am not. What my circumstance says about me. I am who he says. I am. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am highly favored. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You have been brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why I encourage you to come. Because when you come here, I'm going to preach you up. I'm going to tell you that you are a child of God. And that you are more than a conqueror through him that loved you. I'm going to tell you that there is no weapon that is formed against you that will prosper. That is my identity. That is your identity in the God that we serve. You are bought with a price. You are bought with the precious blood of Jesus. That's who you are. You are not a failure. You're not a mistake. No, you're not an accident. No, his word says that before I was in my mother's womb, he knew me. He knew you. He he designed you for this moment. And there's people all around you that are waiting to see What God does in your life. Hallelujah. That's who you are. You're blessed. You're the head. You're not the tail. 
you're above, you're not beneath. You're blessed and you're going in and you're blessed and you're going out. It doesn't matter if you're coming or going. You are blessed. That's who you are. That's what his word says. Eleanor Roosevelt said that no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. I'm not going to give anybody the license to make me feel inferior. Don't give anyone the license to make you feel inferior. You are chosen by God. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. And also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meloat, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the word of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve, this is is God talking to Elijah. He said, I reserve 7,000 in Israel. So when Elijah's saying, I'm by myself, there's nobody left. I'm the only prophet. Look what comes to him. I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal. And whose mouths have not kissed him. And what takes place after this, after he has a moment of recovery, and after he has a God encounter, and after he finds his identity, then he is able to step into a new assignment. So what does that mean? That means having purpose. That means finding our why. That, That we were created for him, by him and for him. That we got to find our meaning. Secular sociology will tell us that there is nothing more powerful than a project. Having a project gives people meaning. It gives them purpose. It gives them just the tenacity to keep on going. To know that until we step into that moment, until we step into our purpose, that sometimes life will just seem meaningless. And, you'll, and people will ask themselves, what? am I here for? What am I here for? But can I tell you that God called us to do something that matters with our lives. God called you to do something that matters with your life. Proverbs 29, 18 says it best where there is no vision, the people perish. Yet we have to have an understanding of who we are. Victor Frankl, who helped people survived through the Holocaust, said people have enough to live by, but nothing to live for. Yeah, we can survive. We can go through the motions. We have enough to live by, but nothing to live for. They have the means, but no meaning. They have the means, but no meaning. We need to work in our purpose. Paul tells the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. This is Paul. He's been shipwrecked. He's been snake bitten. He's been rejected. He's been beaten. He says, we do not lose heart. He's going through all this chaos in his life. He says, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed. Hallelujah. 
day by day. And look what he says. He goes, I have a purpose in what I'm doing. It's all worth it. It's worth it serving God. It's worth it preaching. It's worth it ministering. It's worth serving because you know what? It doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. Inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. And then he says, for our light and momentary troubles. Talk about perspective. Are achieving for us in eternal glory. Hallelujah. That far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. This is what he says. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul found purpose in the God that called him, in the God that set him apart. Paul found purpose and said, you know what? It doesn't matter what takes place. I know that God has called me. He found his purpose. So what happened with Elijah? So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. And he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him. He found this guy named Elisha. He threw his cloak. The Bible says he threw his cloak around him. He threw his cloak around him. The worship, if y'all join me up here. So what what does Elijah do here? I'm drawing to a close. Elijah understands that I don't have to do this alone. So Elijah, after he sees Elisha, the last thing that I'm going to share with you today on this is He steps into relational strength. He steps into relational strength to have somebody there by his side, to have somebody there that can go through life with him, to have somebody there that he can serve with. I said it once, I'll say it again. I'll keep saying that you weren't designed to go through life alone. You weren't designed to live this out on your own. You weren't made to do it. That's why we tell you, join a small group. That's why we have a free market small group, which means you can come and just get together through different avenues. Meet at a coffee shop. Meet at someone's house. We, we tell you because we want you to, we want you to be there with, some, with someone that you can just say, hey, can I tell you what's really going on inside me? Can I tell you that I'm really lonely right now? Can I tell you that I... That my heart's heavy because of what's taking place at work. Could I tell you? Could I just tell you? You not judge me. That, that you could just find someone. And I'll tell you what that looks like. You're, you're not going to find any judgment here. You're going to find, oh, you too? I, I know what that's like. I've been there. I've hurt the way you hurt. I've cried the way you've cried. I've questioned the way you've questioned. You're not alone. I'm here with you. I'm going to pray with you. We're going to go through this together. I'm going to support you. I'm not going to let you be by yourself. I'm going to, we need a support system. We need a support system. We need people that can surround us. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron 
sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says that two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. I don't know about you, but I want somebody there to help me up. We all fall. We all fall, and we need somebody there to help us up. I I need somebody there that's not going to judge me, that's not going to criticize, someone that's going to help me up, someone that's going to help me, someone that's going to be able to, to, to build me up, to help me. I I need someone to help me up, but pity on anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Why is this so important? A writer put it this way. He said, look carefully at the closest associations in your life, for that is the direction that you're headed. Look closely at the associations in your life for that is the the direction that you're headed let's be around each other let's support each other let's serve the same God God today he wants to remind you he wants to remind you that he loves you enough and he cares enough to help you up Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever the struggle is, God God knows. But know that there's people here that love you. Know that we're here for each other. And we're all in this together. Let's pray. Father, thank you today. Thank you today that you remind us with your word. Thank you that you remind us that there may be times in our lives, that there may be moments where we just lead ourselves astray, where we go and we're just questioning things and we're just in a moment where it seems like all the walls are caving in. God, thank you that you see me in that moment. Thank you that your love still reaches me in that moment. Thank you that your love still pulls me up. God, I thank you today for your word that comes to remind us of who you are. God, I thank you today for your word that comes to remind us that though there may be things that we do in our lives that can lead us into a cave. God, I thank you today that your word comes to remind us afresh and anew that we can get out. We can get out of the cave. We can live the life that you called to live us. God, right now I declare your word to be true that you came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. God, we recognize that that the thief does come to seek, to kill, to destroy God, but we we recognize that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. God, right now I declare that word to be true. God, for every mind 
that has been in turmoil, for every heart that has been shattered, for every spirit that has been fragmented, for every relationship that has been mended, that has been broken, God, God, I thank you right now that there is restoration in you. I thank you, God, that for every family that seems separated, that seems distanced, through situations that have occurred, through through choices that have been made. God, I thank you that there is hope in you, that there is restoration in you, that we can experience, God, your fullness in our lives. I, I, I Right now, God, I come against everything that would want to make anyone feel inferior in this place. God, I come against everything that would want to weigh us down. Lord, that you would, would step into our lives. Right now, God, that you would walk in, God, and be able to work like only you can work. God, I thank you for peace that is flooding minds right now. I thank you for peace that is flooding hearts. I thank you for peace that only comes from you, that that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard our hearts. Right now, God, in this moment, I thank you. I thank you. God, and we exchange our cloak of heaviness. We exchange our cloak of heaviness for a garment of praise. We lift you up today and we worship you in this place. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.